this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, so shall they receive mercy. This conversation was originally recorded in August of 2022. We want to remind you, Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Please visit us at www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. Today, uh, we are, and, and just a reminder, we've been going through the Beatitudes, and today we're in Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. There's, there's not a whole lot um, that we need to talk about or explain about merciful. Um, we just need to do it. And it's fascinating that uh, that in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, the merciful, those that give mercy, extend mercy to others, get mercy returned back to them. And it's fascinating for me at how much society, and it seems like this was occurring globally, how little mercy we offer to other people these days. It seems like we're not very merciful. Uh, so mercy is really similar to, and, and if not equivalent to compassion, but the way uh, the definition describes it is, Mercy is the feet of compassion. So I, mercy is the feeling I have, or compassion is the feeling I have, and mercy is the action that I take to meet human need because of my compassion. It, it, it is about responding to human need, and it is about actively being compassionate, not just feeling something it's doing something about it. And so Jesus says, happy, satisfied, and fully alive are those that are merciful, those that feel compassion and act in ways that extend mercy to others. And so mercy is a choice that we make. And it's a choice to add mercy as a guiding principle for our lives. And being merciful is an act of love. I had a person one time uh, who said to me, who, who I, I said, well, you don't seem to have much empathy, compassion, or mercy. And this person said, well, why should I have empathy or compassion or mercy? And that shocked me then, and it continues to shock me now, uh, because as we align our, our lives with the ways of Jesus, Jesus was merciful, and therefore we are merciful. So why aren't people more merciful? Well, 
I, I want to connect it to our own emotional health and our own emotional maturity. I think we're not merciful when, when anxiety gets the better of us. When we're angry, it's hard to be merciful. Uh, when we are judgmental and condemning, it's hard to be merciful. When, when somewhere deep within us there is a sense of threat, then, then we're not merciful. I would even say that shame gets in the way of being merciful. And we can talk about that, and I, and I can explain that. Uh, and so as I learn to manage my own anxiety better, as I learn to not be reactive, uh, what I, what I learn is as I learn to respond based on my best thinking, then extending mercy to others becomes one of the guiding principles of my life. And, and here's the thing I, I, I want to say to you so often, and it always comes to this. I always get pushback around, well, yeah, but, and, and we come back to the homeless person, uh, quote unquote, on the corner panhandling. And it always comes back to the panhandler on the corner. I don't know why. Uh, and uh, and here's what I want to say, that being merciful is not something that I do out of anxiety as an obligation. Being merciful is something that I do based on what I believe and what I think. And so it also means that I get to have boundaries around my mercy giving. And it means that, and, and I keep saying this, it means that I, I respond to God's invitation. Because the needs of the world are so overwhelming, I don't have enough. I don't, I don't have enough to give everybody mercy, to extend mercy everywhere. And so I'm listening for God's prompting and God's invitation. And Lord, I want to be merciful. I want to act on my compassion. And I do that when I'm in tune with, with God. So there's, there's a lot of scripture that that talks to us about mercy and and it's pretty powerful because Jesus reminded people on numerous occasions and I want to read a few of these passages for you in Matthew 9 um and and verse 13 Jesus is responding to hanging out with sinners and he says to the Pharisees I, I'm not here to attend to people who who are already right with God I'm here to attend to sinners. In the book of the prophet Hosea, we read, it's not sacrifice that God's want, God wants, but mercy. It, it seems to me that a lot of us get hung up on religious ritual and routine. And our religious ritual and routine is more important than extending mercy. And, and Jesus himself quotes the prophet Hosea saying, that's not what God wants. Well, he says almost the exact same thing in Matthew 12 and verse 7. So in Matthew 12 and verse 7, do, do you not understand what the prophet Hosea recorded? I desire mercy not sacrifice. 
he said it again. And then in Matthew 23, when, when he's really calling out the, the religious, the really religious people. So woe to you really religious people, you teachers of the law, you Pharisees, you're hypocrites. You tithe off the very smallest little thing that you have, and, and you give a tenth of every little thing that you have, but you've ignored the essentials of the law, which are justice, mercy, and faithfulness. It's fascinating to me how quickly religious people, and I include myself in that, how quickly we lose mercy, justice, and faithfulness to religiosity. And out of our anxiety to get it right, to believe right, uh, out of our anxiety of my way of life is being threatened, and so therefore I don't extend mercy, or I have to condemn or judge people that are different than me, how, how often we miss, and, and yet at the heart of who God is, being merciful is a key. I'm going to give you a couple of other verses. In Luke 6, We'll go over to Luke's interpretation of Jesus. And Luke, in, in chapter 6, verse 35 to 37, says, If you want extraordinary love, then love your enemies. Do good without restraint. Um, lend with abandon. Don't expect anything in return. And then you'll receive the truly great reward. You'll be the children of the Most High, for God is kind to the ungrateful and to those who are wicked. So therefore, imitate God and be truly merciful or compassionate the way your father is. It's at the heart of who God is. There's a couple of others. I'm not going to go there. Uh, I, where I do want to go, though, is one final example is, is when the rich man came to Jesus and says, uh, who's my neighbor? And Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay, so one of the primary stories in the Bible, one of the primary stories that all of us know who are really religious, and in it, what, what, what does Jesus teach the guy? Who, who's the one that loved his neighbor? And his answer is the one who was merciful. So how do we embrace being merciful as a way of life? How do, how do we embrace it as a guiding principle? And how do we prevent ourselves? How do, how do we manage anxiety in a way where becoming merciful is more clear, more clearly responsive based on our best thinking and not this sense, oh, well, I ought to. Those are the questions I'm asking today. That's what I've got about blessed are the merciful. So what do you think about that? What gets stirred up? Ken, one of the first things that came to my mind was how well do we receive mercy? Uh, self-preservation, it's I'll take care of myself type of attitude, which I think 
at times makes it difficult for us to receive mercy. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think you're right, Jerry. And uh, I don't know what that's all about. And I wonder then if it's hard to receive it, does that make it hard to give it? Yeah. It's good, good stuff to think about. You know, is it pity? You know, are yeah. we, are we so opposed or, or the meaning that we make is somebody is pitying me? Yeah. Yeah. And, and in it, so there's something in all of that, Jerry, that, that, that stirring up the idea of shame mm. and that I, I don't want to receive mercy because I, I, I feel shameful or my shame voice goes up. And I also am judgmental and con condemning of others and don't show them mercy because I'm shaming them. They are less than. There's something wrong with them. There's something broken with them. And so I'm not compassionate and merciful because I'm, I'm judging them in some way. And, and that at its root on either end of that, I'm not saying it's the only thing, but, the, but the, there's a large amount of shame that gets in the way. Ken? Yeah? That's stirred up in me um, that there's, you know, how do we receive mercy? Are we open to receiving mercy? Mm -hmm. uh, um, the word fear comes into this for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a fear of, yeah, you make yourself vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And you say, I've, I've done something wrong or um, I'm not what society wants me to be because I don't have enough money, I'm poor or what have you. And you have to admit to that. You have to open yourself up to that to receive mercy. So there's a, mm -hmm. it's a fear of, of not being accepted by, by the world, by society, I suppose. And um, so it's emotions that are really hard to allow yourself to go through because mm -hmm. you become extremely vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And that fear develops anxiety. Sure. Sure. And it's like a vicious circle. I often wonder why it's so very easy for us to be angry at injustice, at the things that happen in the world. And we, we, we can very easily display that emotion, emotions of anger and injustice, and mm -hmm. not so much those, those emotions of um, I'm not perfect because I got it wrong because I'm a sinner. And mm -hmm. I need that mercy. Mm -hmm. The other thing that came to, my, came to me as you were speaking was um, Christ was the ultimate mercy seat. Mm -hmm. This, you know, in, in surrendering himself to the cross, going through what he went through, he, he, uh, he, he literally walked all over the Old Testament and said, you don't need to be doing all these rituals anymore. I'm the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. What an example. Yeah. That's what occurred to me. So Good. Thank you. I think of Joseph when he was forgiving his, when his brother showed up when they needed help. Mm -hmm. 
And I think of how Hardy wept so loud that the whole kingdom heard him. And I, I, I wonder, was he weeping because he was having a difficult time forgiving? Was, was he, I used my, my, I have an old model. It's, it's a forgive till it hurts. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it really hurts to forgive mm -hmm. often in some of the situations that I've dealt with. I find it challenging. I mean, I do it, but I wonder, was he crying because he actually felt empathy for what, what they were going through? Or was it the obligatory, not wanting to, you know, to feel like he had to go through with this. Like he just couldn't let his, his family starve, mm -hmm. you know, but mm -hmm. I know we, I don't know the answers to that, but I know that that's things that I feel, you know, just because you, you forgive and, and show mercy doesn't mean that you have to continue accepting a certain behavior or right. um, situation. And, and I've, I've learned that really well this past year, but it's mm -hmm. not easy. It still isn't easy. You know, I just, uh, cause I want so much for everybody to be happy and, and enjoy the things that I get to enjoy. And, and then, but then I look at situations sometimes and it's like, it's almost like there's got to be a cutoff of, of you're not a bank. You're not everybody's savior. You've got to show mercy on yourself to, to not always try to go out and rescue everyone. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway. Mm -hmm. Good. Thank you, Brenda. I'm I miss B. So thankful to see you. <laughs> I sort of, um, going to get on and what Brenda says with um I think he had forgiven his brothers so it wasn't a problem with him because I found myself in the same situation at that point because like when I had someone living in my house and they were really mean to me and everything and I had to go to court to get them out of my house and then they were so rude to me and I I forgive them. And one day God just put in my heart for me to call and say, hello, how are you doing? And I call and, and I was, you know, but we did not go back to the past. I just start talking to that person. So I, I think it's what in you, you put out. And I think that's what happened with him and his brothers. That's the way I feel on that mercy part. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking, you know, because of family, I think when family hurts you or church family hurts you, I think it's just so much more extreme than something outside, you know, exterior. Mm -hmm. And and I think, so actually I've, I've been studying that for the past couple of weeks and still going through my list of forgiving <laughs> and every day there's something else. And I'm like, God, please, you know, help me with this. Uproot this. I don't want mm -hmm. that in me. You know, it's hard. Mm -hmm. It is hard. It's, it's easy to quote scripture. It's really difficult to live it. Uh, it's, it's easy to talk about scripture. It's really difficult to make it our practice. I mean, I, I, I keep holding up and what, and what would it look like if every follower of Jesus in the world was merciful? I mean, to me, that would change the world, right? And, and why are we not? I mean, I mean, this is what Jesus, blessed are the merciful, for they should receive mercy. And yet we still have such a difficult time being merciful. And I, I love the idea of, uh, are we merciful to ourselves? And are we willing to receive mercy from others? 
One thing that occurred to me is as individuals, if we are merciful to an individual and, you know, God says, you know, if you give mercy, you will, you will receive mercy. As mm -hmm. in our humanity, we expect to receive mercy from that same person. Yeah. And it doesn't always work like that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Our receipt of mercy can, may come from somebody completely different. Yeah. Sean. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I was, you know, kind of getting stirred up as you were sharing that was um, uh, just the other day I had a, a, I drive a lot. So I'm in a lot of like parking lots and, and a kid had broke down in his car. And so I offered to help him, but it's like, oh, no, no, I have a phone. I got someone coming. Right. And that happens all the time now. And, that, and then I realized that I, as I was listening to you, I'm having this moment of I've, I've crossed some age boundary because I'm like, well, when I was that age, because <laughs> you know, you know, cell phones weren't, you know, they were around, but they weren't common. So you had to rely on others. Mm -hmm. um, if you got broke down or stranded or ran out of gas, you would just, you know, stand pitifully and hopefully someone will come by and show you mercy um and our culture and society has gotten to a point where i don't really need anyone else and i just i just wonder as the thought pattern of some of these conversations um i don't need mercy yeah i don't expect mercy mm. um and i don't and i expect you to also get yourself together so that you don't need mercy right and you don't expect mercy and we all just take care of ourselves. And, um, and if there's big problems in the world, somebody else will come and take care of that. And it's just, you know, that technology gap that's really separated us. I mean, right now I'm, I just feel a little guilt because I'm having this conversation with you guys, which is meeting social desires that I have, which means the guy right next to me, I'm not engaging with. Yeah. Right. Because I'm getting it here on my little phone, yeah. <laughs> my mm -hmm. little box. Yeah. And yeah. um, that's just, that was kind of what I was, you know, we're, we're in our own bubbles a lot more than we once were just 20, 30, 40, you know, every decade, it's like we're deeper and deeper into a, our own personalized, catered, mercy-free world. Um, yeah. So that was good. Yeah. I don't, I don't need mercy and I don't want mercy and I'm not going to give mercy because surely you have somebody who's going to take care of you. Oh, I get that, Sean. It's good, good thoughts. Thank you. I think we, I tend to think of mercy as being some big thing that has to, you know, like I have to intervene in something. But I always remember when I'm thinking about this, it's a good reminder for me. My dad would always, no matter where we were, he would always make eye contact with the person, the, the checker at the checkout counter or whoever, say their name if they had a name tag, ask them how they're doing. And I used to be so embarrassed by as a kid because he would act like everyone was his best friend and it would, it would be just seemed annoying to me. But what that was, I think, was a posture of openness to the other person that allowed God to enter into the situation because if somebody was really needy he was going to hear about it when he did that mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain that exactly but like just sure. this posture of looking at people and just looking at them in the eye saying their name saying something kind to them 
would open up all these other, you know, scenarios. It was an invitation that most of us don't give. We just try to get through, get through the checkout, get through the whatever, you know. And uh, so it's just kind of this this posture of openness to other people and connecting with them that created mm -hmm. those opportunities. Uh, so I always that's always something that comes to mind when it's, that's mm -hmm. what gets stirred up in me when I hear things. Mm -hmm. like Good, thank you, Angela. Some of the reasons that we don't um, see see other Christians extending mercy. Um, is that it can be overwhelming. The, the needs of the world can be so right. overwhelming. And we all know that um, there are church leaders, there are political leaders. I mean, we have different opinions, different viewpoints on things. I'm taking a class with um, Episcopal Divinity School called Anglicanism and Social Justice. And one of the books I have to read is, is a book called We Cry Justice and it's essays on poverty. And there are things I'm learning that I had no idea um, I, I never made the connections um, before in, and I, I, I'm not gonna tell you all about it because I don't want guilt trip for everybody, but um, things, this is opening my eyes to something. Now, what do I do with it? Um, yeah. and, and am I gonna be consistent if I, if I truly believe that this industry, if you will, this, this commercial situation um, is at fault, Am I going to be consistent to live that out, or is it? Would it just be easier for me to pretend I didn't know? Yeah, um, yeah. It's it. It has us coming face to face with who we are, and sometimes that's not pretty. Or for happy. sure, for yeah. sure. Thank you, Judith. I was just going to say real quick, and with what you're saying too, Judith and Angela. Yeah, it's just like when if you're at your church or at work or wherever, and somebody comes up and asks you, how are, how are you doing today? They really don't want to know. <laughs> it's just, it's a quick meet and greet and, and goodbye. You know, they just want to keep walking because lack of knowledge means you don't have to take the responsibility to deal with it or yeah. their issue. Yeah. I got accused of yesterday. Somebody was actually making fun of me um, saying that, that uh not only do i talk too much uh but uh, it was the oh everybody you meet you, you 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 make friends and at first it triggered me i got offended but then i thought wait a minute what's wrong with that what the hell heck is wrong with that that's what i'm supposed to do right yeah and so so here's what 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 gets stirred up out of all of this so how do we show mercy even to people who annoy us or who trigger us. <laughs> How do we show mercy? How do we show mercy to each other when we get on each other's nerves? Not that any of you have ever been on my nerves before. Tell us, Ken, how do we? No, I, yeah. How do we extend mercy to one another? How do we how do we extend mercy to people who who view things completely different than we do? I, you know, I yeah. It's an ongoing practice that's challenging, and it takes it takes growth in ourselves, and it takes courage. Judith, yeah, there there have been a few people um, that I find particularly difficult at times to to love and um, and react mercifully um, or graciously, and I I've started trying to think at least with, I pray first, 
but I've also started to try to think, all right, what's their story? Um, mm-hmm. what, what's really going on? And can I listen, you know, should, can I ask the right questions to find out maybe why they're feeling the way they're feeling or doing what they're doing? Mm-hmm. Um, or even just give them the benefit of the doubt and say, you know, I bet so- to myself, something's going on here. Um, and yeah, it's irritating the daylights out of me and I don't want to get involved, but, um, I, I still want to be there for them. Um, and I'm not saying that this comes easily or I do it all the time or um, I, I've got a handle on it, but it's something I'm trying to be more and more aware of. Yeah, good. I mean, if I have all those vows from my early childhood, I, I have to figure out that everybody else walking around does too. Yeah, for sure. One of the... Uh, piece of scripture I was called to this morning was Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, to sit and ponder that. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and in all your ways um, to, um, to follow him and he'll make your path straight. And what does it mean? You know, how, how do you get out of the way of yourself? Because quite often um, when you're trying to be compassionate and show mercy to somebody that's, that's, that's triggered emotion in you, that's triggered, um, you know, bad memories in you, it's difficult to get out, to, to, to get rid of that or put that emotion to the side and say, no, 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 that's what I'm feeling right now, but it's not necessarily true. To yeah. stop and remind yourself that this isn't really about you, it's about them. And to call on the Lord and say, look, Lord, uh, here's my heart, here's my mind, fill it with what I should be hearing, fill it with what I should be thinking. Um, mm-hmm. We don't always do that. Um, we let our emotions run away with us. Yeah. Um, I have done it. I've done it quite a few times. And every time it's been good when I've been so hurt and so angry and I've immediately gone to the side and I've said, Lord, take this anger from me, take it from me, show mm-hmm. me, give me, give me a heart of compassion. How do I turn this around? Um, mm-hmm. and, and yeah, he does. He brings that peace that transcends all understanding. So, yeah. That's one way. That's one way I do it anyway. Yeah. To remember that. And how do we give ourselves mercy when we're not at our best? I have to self-talk. I mean, I have to say it out loud to myself. Is this something you would say to your, to your child? Is this what God would truly say to you? Mm -hmm. I have to constantly do that. And I I keep thinking and hoping I'm getting better at it, but I get triggered. (laughs) And sure. I trigger myself. <laughs> it's like I have to keep casting those thoughts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's frustrating, but you know, like what Judith was saying earlier, um, it, there's this lady that puts my groceries in my car twice a week. She's been so cranky with me, and I actually complained at one point to the manager until I finally yesterday I asked her what was her story, and then I got it. She was mm-hmm. in excruciating pain. Expat knee surgery, 
on both knees and having to, to walk in a grocery store and put people's groceries in their cars in pain every single yeah. day. And, yeah. and I was just like, wow. Go ahead, Deborah. Yeah, I, I've just been thinking a lot about this. When, um, when I'm triggered, I have to, I guess it goes with the self-talk, but um, I have to investigate myself. Where is that coming from? What's going on in you? And I also have to step out and do repair work when I've hurt somebody else out of it, mm -hmm. my emotion or my fear, my anxiety uh, has gotten the best of me. And when I, uh, it was amazing to be able to be, to self-calm in parts of our trip when interacting with folks who, who believe vastly different than I do. And right out of the shoot on the first interactions, they're saying something that's polarizing. Before we ever even have much conversation, it's like, oh, I guess they didn't realize that might be opposite to how we feel. And how do we come to a place and make a safe place to share space in life without those things taking root mm -hmm. and, and causing the stumbling block? And I am incredibly thankful to the Lord that we've been able to do that thus far. I don't know what the future holds in my triggers, <laughs> but so far I've been able to utilize the tools mm -hmm. that we have mm -hmm. and stay curious and really kind of say, I think people, as you often say, People are doing the best they know how to do, mm -hmm. given what they've experienced. So we're able to diffuse some things just right. by the lightheartedness. And just like Angela said earlier, just by looking people in the eye and looking in their heart, mm -hmm. that can diffuse a lot of hot stuff. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's what I'm saying right now. In three weeks, I may say, guys, my triggers are all over the place right now and my hot buttons are going off. I need prayer. <laughs> That's where I am today, this morning. Good. Thank you for sharing. All right, group. Let's call it a day. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for thinking with me about this piece of scripture. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you, Faith Walking exists because of your financial support. Please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.